What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, to a Stanley Cup champion edition to the Dusty Dimes podcast. I am your host, TJ, and my co-host, Tucker. What is going on, Tuck? Not a whole lot, TJ. Honestly, looking forward to this one. It's a good one. Real real good one. Special. You know, I, I like I was doing a lot of research on, on Randy, and the, the guy was – he was an animal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just – just an animal, and I mean, like the the I, I'm I'm curious to to learn about and hear about like how the Devils teams were. We all knew how the Devils teams were, but inside yep. the locker room and actually playing for them at that time was probably I want to say something special. Oh, it had to be. You know, they and there there's things that I want to ask them about. You know, like playing with Marty and you know the, the best goaltender in in, in the world. Oh, never yeah. played a game. Never played a game. Absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. And then there, there's a, there's a topic I want to bring up. You know, I I spoke to you. I think it was yesterday, the day before, about you know bullying and junior hockey. You know, and absolutely. I want to I want to bring that up. You know, I'm, I'm I'm like I said to you, I'm I'm kind of torn in between it, but you know, not 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 to come off the wrong way of of saying that. You know what I mean? It's. Yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get more we'll get more into it after you know we speak to Randy you know and and hear what he has to say you know about his career and his time winning the cups both cups and it it's gonna be a good one today real good yeah, one you know I, I got I have my my in-laws that are are devils fans and they're like how are you talking to him being a huge flyers fan I'm like it to me it does it it, it doesn't matter you know what I mean it's yeah, to get it's to get whatever out to the audience and for the audience to hear and what's going on, you know, with how these people were. You know, some of these people don't get a chance to talk to you know professional hockey players like you and myself. Exactly. You know, and it's they're just to me. Yeah, they they played in the NHL. They played the greatest greatest league in the world. They're humans like us. They they yep. really are. Exactly. It's just another person with a story to tell. That's it. That, that really is, you know, and, and I'm, I'm excited to hear his. And then we have uh, L.A. LA uh, Los Angeles Kings uh, former NHL player Jim Thompson coming on on Monday. And he actually played with Gretzky. So it's it's two two players. Yeah, two players back to back have played with uh most of the best, most of the chief players in the game. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have Randy McKay. Randy, how you doing, bud? Good. How you guys doing today? Pretty good. We're excited for you to come on. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Uh, first, first question I have for you. you know, you you know, you started your career out at Michigan Tech. You know, what was the reasoning of going there, and th- did you have any other school options besides Michigan Tech? No, at the time, uh, playing in Quebec Midget, uh, I was 17 years old, and. Uh, it took until the Air Canada Cup to get two offers. One was Western Michigan. They only had three quarters of a ride left. And Michigan Tech mm-hmm. was the only one offering me a full scholarship. So that's where I went. Nice. And in your time at Michigan Tech, did you did you know you wanted to go to the NHL or were you approached by somebody going to the NHL after Michigan Tech? No, I knew. I, uh, I was drafted after my freshman year mm-hmm. by the Red Wings. And uh, – you know, I knew that, uh, you know, I was drafted. I was 6'1", 170 pounds. So, yeah. I, you know, I had a long way to go and develop. So, I knew that uh, 
you know, three more years of uh, college hockey was going to be nothing but great for me. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, so going in at 17, I graduated at 21. So by then I was ready, you know, for the next level. Mm-hmm. And your your time in the NHL, you know, you fought guys like Ty Domi, Stu Grimson, McSorley, Chara. Who would you say was the toughest guy you threw down with? Oh, um, <laughs> I've back-to-back nights I fought uh, – and this was when I was young in Detroit, my second year exhibition. Mm-hmm. I fought Mark Norty one night, and I fought Link Gates the next night. Mm-hmm. And I fought Link Gates again San Jose's first year. What was it San Jose? Yeah, I think it was San Jose. Or was it Anaheim? One of those. And I fought him in his first game in New Jersey there. I was doing great. I felt like I threw five or six punches. You look at the tape of it not one came within six inches of connecting and then all of a sudden he <laughs> threw one punch and it felt like I went from red line to blue line on my back <laughs> now now the second part of that question is like you know knowing you had to you know, I don't I want to say you know knowing you had to fight but did you have to prepare for the nights bef- the, the fights before the game or the game game day knowing that you had to go with certain players um yeah, you learned early that you had to kind of be prepared. Um, you know, you just had to kind of know, especially when I was young, what kind of a fighter he was, whether he was righty or lefty. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, you know, going in like Mike Palooza, for instance. I fought Mike Palooza 11 times. I pretty much knew almost every game we played got into yeah. a fight. Um, you know, but you wanted to know if he was a lefty. Like in my early days, I remember the Probert uh, Crowder night. At uh, in uh, in New Jersey, the rematch, or no, mm-hmm. it's in Detroit, the rematch. And uh, the only time a coach ever sent me over the boards to go fight was uh, was Brian uh, Brian Murray, and he told me because all of a sudden there's eighteen thousand people waiting during warm up. First period go by the no prover Crowder fight. Second period, yep. nothing's going on. So he told me to go fight Ken Danico. And uh, <laughs> to loosen the crowd up. And I remember asking Eisenbart, who came from New Jersey, is he a righty or lefty? He goes, well, I think he's a righty. So I started the fight. He hit me about six or seven times with his left before I even knew what I was doing. <laughs> so <laughs> you kind of want to be prepared a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. And, then, you know, you were a part of something special being on the first team in Devil's history to make it to the Cup and win it. What, 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 was, what was that like? Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, the year before we went game seven against the Rangers to the, you know, the uh, Eastern Conference final. So mm-hmm. it was a good learning experience. But, you know, Lou bringing in, you know, the group of coaching staff he brought in. Uh, you bring in Jacques Lemaire, Larry Robinson, Jacques Crow. You brought in a whole influx of Montreal Canadian uh, people who knew how to win and knew what it took. And uh, mm-hmm. that goes down to all the little things that you had to do. And so everything that a lot of people, you know, had heard crazy stories about Lou and how, you know, he was almost like it was like a dictatorship. It was, you know, run military style. But everything was based on doing the best for the team to, to make it be able to win. And so yeah. you learned from that philosophy, that, you know, and it was right down the whole thing. It was from the players to the stick boy to the secretary in the office, everyone was on the same page. You know, everything was geared to making the team the best capable team to win. 
Absolutely. And then, you know, and you're not the first person. We had Jim Dowd on, and he said the same exact thing, same, almost word for word. <laughs> so, so it's good to know. And then, you know, knowing the lockdown system you guys ran in New Jersey, did you guys ever believe that you guys were ever going to lose when you had Marty backstopping you guys with the system you guys ran? You know, I guess in the early years, I mean, in a first cup win, uh, you know, we knew we had a decent team, but, you know, we made, we never had home ice advantage. We didn't have the best regular season. When it came yeah. to the playoffs, obviously we really friggin' turned the hatchet and, and, and made, you know, you know, locked the door a little more. We only lost four games in the whole playoffs, um, mm-hmm. you know, going into playing Detroit. So yeah, that was a, after that, we, you know, we felt invincible, but then we turned around and not make the playoffs the next year. So it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. And then the devil's teams you were on were so good at cashing in on other teams mistakes. Did you guys just prey on, you know, like prey on teams to like make that, that mistake and slip up so you guys can just counteract on them and then lock it down after you guys obviously got a scoring lead, you know, like a two, nothing two one lead. Yeah. You know, it's, let's look back. Well, one, you know, they called it the, you know, New Jersey trap, New Jersey trap. Mm-hmm. Well, Montreal Canadiens played that system for 40 years, 30 years, whatever it was. No one ever called mm-hmm. it anything but good hockey. Then all of a yeah. sudden you get to where the Devils are doing it and they're trapping teams. Well, like Jacques Lemaire said, he grew up his whole life playing that system, whatever you wanted to call it then. And uh, and the funny thing, you got to look back to those years in 94, 95, 96. You know, we were one of the highest offensive scoring teams in the league. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and we did counter. We had speed. You had guys like Stefan Richet, Chorsky, uh, Lemieux. You got speed on the wings that when you did turn the puck over in the neutral zone, you could capitalize with a transition and uh, get a lot of offensive abilities out of it. Yeah. And then this next question actually goes with the question I just asked. You know, your goal in OT versus Boston to win a game, you crashed the net and cut the guy off. Right. Yeah. What was going through your mind at that moment going, you know, a zero zero game in OT? Because usually, you know, zero zero game, you know, guys are, you know, tendency to, you know, hold back. But you literally just went in and crashed and, and tucked it in. Well, the one thing when we, you know, we were the only line that was allowed to forecheck that aggressively. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they wanted from us. You know, Mike Palusa, Bobby Ulick, uh, you know, we, you know, the only time we had pulled back is they had full control setting up behind the net and then we'd set up otherwise you know they wanted us to create momentum they wanted us to forecheck they wanted us to be on them and at that mm-hmm. time you know they went back for a puck and actually what happened with that is um what's his name i can't remember who the player was behind the net but mike Cluso came down the left wing and he chased them behind the net and i think the guy didn't mm-hmm. realize that he was probably thinking we're going into a trap he has a time so as he popped mm-hmm. his head up, Mike Peluso was right in his face, and he just jumped to get away from him, and he comes right up the front, and I'm there right ready to tap Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of think shocked him and surprised him into just friggin' jumping out in front of his net, and I just all I did is poke the puck into that. So. Yeah, and then you, you you talked about you know your line, and that was my actually my next question. Now, you were on one of the famous lines in the NHL called the crash line. Yeah. How did you guys gel with one another to become such one of the dominant lines in the NHL at that time. Well, like I said earlier in the, in the talk is I fought Mike Peluso 11 times. 
Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Lou traded for him. Yep. And, uh, and I'm a pretty, I don't see standoffish. I'm a pretty shy guy, I guess, or just, I'm not real outgoing until I get to know someone. And having yep. fought Mike Blues 11 times, yeah, I said hi, shook his hand. But really, we never had a conversation for a month at least, maybe close to yep. two months during the season, like where yep. we became really good friends. But it was just a hard spot. You know, we played, you know, I, I don't know if we started that season off together on the line. I can't remember. But uh, sorry, I got a puppy barking on the floor. You're um, good. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. Um, Um, but uh, yeah and then you know we knew what we were going out for you know we were going to play you know eight minutes ten minutes a game and uh, Mm -hmm. you know we were momentum and Jacques Lemire wasn't scared to use this he used this uh, you know he used this after every goal scored whether it was goal for or goal against Mm -hmm. he'd come out with us for momentum either to keep momentum or to gain the momentum back and uh you know, we played, you know, he wasn't scared to start us in games. He wasn't scared, you know, so things like that went really well. I mean, when games got, you know, after a while, you know, sometimes he'd go, you know, after a few years of playing together, you know, he would pull Mike loose or he wouldn't necessarily play him in tight situations. You know, over yeah. Time in the playoffs, where he, once in a while, he would put a Claude Lemieux or he put uh, Stefan Richet on our left wing for our shifts and that. But, you know, he knew... You know, we played Bobby and I quite a bit to where we were getting, our, you know, 12 minutes a game or what we were up to by then for 12, 14, whatever. So. Okay. And then, you know, take us, you know, set the scene in 1995. You guys are sitting in the locker room getting ready to play the Wings. First game of Stanley Cup. Like, how do you guys overcome the powerhouse Wings in game one? Um, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll go back on that story before game one is mm-hmm. we, we go to Detroit um, and we're in lockdown during the playoffs. So okay. we go to Detroit. Sorry, I'm bringing a puppy to someone else to take care of it. It's You're fine. Puppy. You're fine. Um, <laughs> so they put us in a hotel. We get to Detroit two days before the first game. You know, the press conference, okay. all the hype for, you know, the finals, everything else. Um, hold on. Hey, someone's going to take him. He's barking out my cord like crazy. Um. So we wake up the next morning and it's uh, it's the breakdown in the paper of, you know, the starting the Stanley Cup finals, the Red Wings against the Devils. So back then, Detroit had two newspapers, the Free Press and uh, uh, the Free Press and the uh, the news. And in that one of the papers, they had five sports writers and it was their predictions. So uh, so. Uh, Four of the sports writers uh, picked Detroit in four in, – no, three picked Detroit in four games. Um, one picked Detroit in five games and said we were mm-hmm. going to get lucky and win one. And the final guy said Detroit in three games, Devils are going to be so embarrassed they're going to give up after that. <laughs> so you walk in and, you know, we, Jesus knew, Christ. we didn't play them all year, <laughs> but we knew we'd already shut yep. down offensives. We, we were gelling. We were working. And, uh, you know, I think a team as offensive and as skilled and as individuals as Detroit was, the harder they tried, the worse they got. Because if the more as an individual you tried to beat our system, we would just mm-hmm. funnel you and channel you into, into nowhere. So I think that's what happened is they got, it got tougher for them because 
Each guy was trying, but he was trying to do it on his own, and that just played right into our system. So mm-hmm. that's kind of it. Now, and then, you know, what, what was your reaction to the octopus being thrown in Detroit, you know, as a player? What, what, is, what goes yeah, through your mind as a player seeing an octopus thrown what over the glass? What year did that ever start? I don't know. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was definitely uh, – I, I couldn't even tell you. Said, but it's, uh, it, yeah, I just, it was just one of those things that was happening. I mean, uh, you know, started at the start of games, it did it. After goals, it did it. I mean, it was, uh, it was amazing, but it's uh, one of those things. It's, I understand the eight, you know, back in the day, it took eight games to win, eight friends uh, or whatever, but I don't know how mm-hmm. it ever started getting thrown on the ice. So, And then can you talk about your bus driver, Hines, and him being your good luck charm? You know, there's a lot of things Lou Lamorello did. And I was there 11 years. And and a lot of guys that came to the Devils thinking Mm -hmm. after they got there, loved it and understood the whole idea of everything else. Well, I think what Lou wanted was just uh, Mm -hmm. to keep everything status quo, to keep everything familiar, to keep everything uh, together. So by... Drive, having our bus driver go from New Jersey, drive all the way to Detroit to meet us at the airport, to bring us from the hotel to the rink, mm-hmm. to do everything. It was just status quo to make us more comfortable and to keep everything just, you know, more like a home and what we're accustomed to. Absolutely. That's awesome. And then you're, you know, besides winning the cup in 95, uh, what would be your best memory during that run? years or just that year? What do you Uh, you could do it in 95. Uh, I mean, it was a special year for you. So what would be the best memory in 95? It's hard to run? say. I mean, just the whole playoff and winning a cup and, and understanding. We got a taste of it the year before uh, going to seven games in East Conference. But it mm-hmm. was just, you know, not being favored pretty much in any series. And just the way we gel. Like when you play 20 playoff games and you only lose mm-hmm. four. I mean, things are going pretty good you know, you're in a pretty confident space. It's place, amazing. I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then going back to your, what you just said, what would be your best memory? Well, the one winning the cup. I mean, NHL? winning the cup, you know, um, we had some good teams that mm-hmm. we blew. You know, when you look back in 97, 98, 99, one of those years, I can't remember. You know, we had good teams. We'd lose the first round to Ottawa, you know, with uh, – Dave Anderson, Doug Gilmore, we had, you know, we just blew mm-hmm. it in the first rounds, um, you know, and then come back in 2000 and do it and then blow it in 2001, you know, losing in seven games, being up three games to two and losing. I mean, it's, I just seven years, 11 years of playing in an organization and, you know, appreciating what the organization, you know, meant to me. And like I said, just getting the, the winning attitude and having mm-hmm. that ingrained in you, in your head that, you know, the reason we're doing all this is to win. Yeah, you want to have fun, but you want to do everything, you know, in a constructive manner to doing that. Yeah. And then your playing career, oh, in the years you were in the NHL, who was the best I coach mean, you played was, for uh, and why? Uh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't say he's a very, he was a real open guy, but he was welcome. You were welcome to go in and talk to him anytime in his office, and he'd listen to you. And at the end of it, he'd tell you what he thought. <laughs> he might not change his mind, but he would listen to you, and then he'd tell you his yeah. side of the story. <laughs> but just the way he knew how to run a bench, he knew yeah. who was going, who wasn't. Uh, just the little things that he taught you without going overboard. He was specific, but he wasn't you know, too much. And, you know, you know, and then he had guys like Larry who kept things really loose and, and laid back. And then Larry being the head coach in 2000, you know, it was great for us. Great for Larry. Loved Larry. Uh, I think he, he more enjoyed being an assistant coach than a head coach. I don't think he wanted the pressures and he didn't want to be a, say it mildly, a, you know, the bad guy, you know? So, but uh, yeah, I was fortunate to have both of those as coaches. Mm-hmm. And in your time in New Jersey, you know, the rivalry then when you played compared to now, it, what would you say was your biggest Probably rivalry? Probably have to be the, the Flyers, Flyers Rangers, or, or the Rangers. I mean, it has to be the Rangers. A lot of people think Rangers number one and Flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny looking back in those. They're both is I didn't never did much against the Rangers. Like as far as I was never, you know, a huge goal scorer. But production-wise, for some reason, they didn't do well. Against the Flyers, I had some of my best series. I had some of my best games. I uh, it was, you know. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to thank you for that because I I grew up in Philadelphia being a Flyers fan. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> thanks for killing my dreams. I don't ask you why. Like I scored a hat trick that then at one series against Philadelphia led to, you know, both teams had seven points in a six game series. I, I don't know. I love playing in Philly. You know, I didn't. I I love playing mm-hmm. road games. And, uh, you know, Philly, for some reason, I just – it's one of those things yeah. like Tampa, I really did well against. Loved playing in Tampa. But I used to say I had uh, seasonal depression. So as soon as I went down to Tampa and got the sunshine, something came out of me, and I liked it. <laughs> That's good. And then uh, my last question would be, if, if there's one thing you could tell the young players listening to this podcasting, wanting, wanting to make it to the NHL – what would it well, be? Well, one, you just you why. have to work hard. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you got to have fun at the game, but you've got to mm-hmm. you've got to outwork that guy that's competing against you. You got to outwork that guy, uh, you know, that's across the face off from you. And you know that all starts in your summer training. In between seasons, it's great to take time off, but you can mm-hmm. only build on your strength and your quickness, and all of that is mostly in the summer. During the season, you can do a little bit, mainly to keep up. But, you know, those are the times when you really got to train is in the off season. Uh, no, Agreed. I think you touched up on And everything. Tucker, do you have anything for Randy before we let him go? Okay. Randy, we appreciate no you problem. taking time out of your day to talk to us. I finally got a 70 us. degree sunny day here, so I'm going to go do Thank something you. outside. Beautiful. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Thank you again. Yep. Bye. Yeah, it was great. Wow. That's all I could say. Wow. <laughs> so it was it's just amazing to hear his aspect on, you know, the game and the trap. And you know, it's it's funny that, you know, he says he run they ran the trap. And that's what I that's what I run as a coach as well. You know, I oh, run yeah, a hard two three or a one four and it's it works, man. It, you gotta have the right people. You got to have the right people to do it and the right people that want to do it. And 
you know, it, he's, he's a, uh, exactly. he's one of the people to tell you it, it works. So, but, uh, yeah, so my, what I wanted to touch on here is, you know, I, I saw a couple videos here, you know, here and there about, you know, the bullying and, and junior hockey and youth hockey. And, you know, we had, um, Dan Carcillo on, he spoke about it. And, you know, my, my big thing is, is if you want to make it to the show, you know what I mean? And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back. I, when I played, I never bullied anybody. I never participated in any bullying. Yeah. I've never gotten bullied. I've never seen any bullying when I played growing up. Right. So I don't know if this is a new thing back 10, 15 years. I, I couldn't tell you, you know, I, it must've been something new that happened. So if you're and I'm going to fast forward here, if you're going to make it and want to make it to the show, you know what I mean? And you know, you're getting oh, bullied, step up and fucking say something right away. Do you know what I mean? If, if you, if you're getting bullied, step up and say something right away. So it doesn't escalate to the fact where, you know, you have, you get depression. No. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not knocking people that have depression by far. I'm not, I, I, I I'm for it. I, if you had depression, I'm here to help you. You want to talk? Yeah. Excuse me. If you want to talk, I'm here to help you, but don't let it get that far. You know what I mean? Say something. If somebody, something's happening to you, say something to the coach. Say something Absolutely. to the team owner. Say something to your billet parents. You know what I mean? And you don't, you don't, you don't have to suffer going through the pain and anguish just to make it to the next level. You don't have to because in the end, oh yeah, you're you're gonna you're, you're gonna be fucked. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. It it really is. You know it's. You know, you have guys that, you know, are getting, you know, sexually abused yep. in the locker room or they're getting hazed in the locker room, right? I could tell you right now, if, if if that happened to one of my kids, I would have fucking, I would have went nuts. I would have freaked the fuck out, you know, but my kids know better, you know, if something happened to them and, and they're playing junior hockey or wherever they're playing and that shit happened, they, they would know to say something and they know that they don't need to do the extra shit to make it to the show or make it to the ECHL or the AHL. You know what I mean? So, and I, I don't know if, I I mean, honestly, you, you play junior hockey. Have you seen any of it? PHL and obviously the EHL and the EHLP. And um, I didn't really see any bullying going through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know what, what goes through these kids' minds. I really don't. I, I don't know what goes through a kid's mind to bully another fucking kid. Is it because this kid's well, better I mean, than you and you have to put this fucking I, kid down? I, I know it's like the younger Do you know ones, what I mean? And it, my brother's age, age group right now at the Bantam level. Uh, there, there's a ton of bullying going on in, in our organization here, and it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. We had one kid who got suspended for mm-hmm. checking one of his own teammates from behind in a scrimmage game. It's, and that's that's just it, it's bullshit. It really is, and and it, there's no there's no place yeah. in the game for it to begin with. You know the bullying and in life, you know what I mean. There's no there's no place in life for bullying because if you're not happy with yourself, check yourself. Go reevaluate your situation. You don't need to you don't need to bring it on someone else's life. You don't need to you know take it out on somebody else. Talk to somebody. There's no harm at yeah. all into talking somebody or getting help with your situation. And that, and that goes, that goes with life. That goes with hockey. 
You know what I mean? And it's just, I, I seen a video again on Instagram and I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking the player. I'm not knocking the person. You know what I mean? But there's a video. I'm not going to say it, whatever. If you, you probably, everybody probably knows who, what it is, is, you know, there's some of the stuff that happened to him. You know what I mean? It, it was, Absolutely. it's, it's rude. It's rude for the people that did it. And do I, do I feel bad for the, 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 the person that went through it? Absolutely. 110%. But there should be a point in time where you say enough yeah. is enough and you go and talk to somebody and get help. You know what I mean? There's, there's not enough. You're not going to get, you're not going to get in trouble. You're not, you're not going to get made fun of. It's, it's basically a confidential thing. If something's happening to you, this goes for all the listeners. It goes from fucking youth to juniors right now. So if this, this happened to you, Go tell somebody. You tell the coach, listen, this isn't confidential. I need to talk to you that so-and-so is doing this, this, and this to me. Then that needs to be addressed by, you know, Absolutely. the owner of the team, the coach of the team, and the parents of the team. Both sets of parents. It doesn't need to be no. hidden. You know what I mean? And you don't need to hide it thinking, you know, if you're, you know, say, say, you know, we'll use a name, Johnny. Johnny's getting, you know, bullied in the locker room. He doesn't want to say anything because he's told if he says anything, he's not going to get a shot at drafted in the OHL or the USPHL or the NA3. You know, example. Yeah. Like, it's just you're not going to get drafted into that. You're not going to make it to the next level. So I, I, I'm, it's, I'm 50-50 with it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it sucks, if that makes sense. Like, it shouldn't yeah. be done, it, you know what I mean, at all. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't you shouldn't allow it. That's my 50 I mean, It shouldn't be done and you're, you shouldn't you're a team. be allowed day, you're to have you. Like everything you know I mean? has to gel yeah. together for everything to work. Whether you like it or not, yeah, you're exactly. on a team with so if, set individuals and you just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So say, you know, you said it perfectly. You know, you're part of the team. Say that part of the team, you go out yeah. and you win the fucking, you know, championship in juniors. Right? How awkward is that that you guys literally went through all that bullshit during the season and you won something and you can't say anything because you're scared because exactly. that just upped your, your price tag on getting drafted to the next level. You know what I mean? So it, it's you're scared. You don't like, oh listen, you know, Frankie he fucking touched me the wrong way or mate bullied me. I'm I'm gonna tell on him and now I'm not gonna be able to get drafted because I'm part of that situation. No, you 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 when it happens to begin with, you do it. You know what I mean? And I coached you guys and I dude, and we say it all the time. We didn't win a fucking game that season. You know what I mean? But you guys oh, literally yeah. were the tightest group from what I seen. You know what I mean? And I didn't see I didn't see any bull- there was joking around in the locker room, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. But there was no bullying. You know, I even the sixteen kids I coach. You know what I mean? They there was no bullying you know, there. Like, every team I've line, ever coached, I've never seen like, any yelling. Chill, and then like it, it always went absolutely both ways. If we were all four there, with I mean, you know, we had that tight group of four guys there, and we always threw shit at each other. I mean, we all joked with each other, and that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a joke. And that's what it is. And now it's. It's getting, and like I said, it's getting worse and worse every, I don't want to say every month, but you hear something new happening every, every month about, you know, I, I would say not, I wouldn't say every month, every other month, because there was a time, you know, when 
you know, Carcillo brought up, Dan Carcillo yeah, brought exactly. up the fact about all these coaches. Whatever happened to that? Whatever, whatever happened, whatever happened to any of that? You know, you hear, you don't hear anything about, yeah. you know, Mark Crawford. What no. happened to Mark Crawford? You know what I mean? What, what you didn't hear, you haven't heard anything. Um, you know, you haven't heard anything. The guy from what was it? Ottawa? I think so. I, I forget his name. Peters, something Peters. Yeah, it just falls off the face. You of haven't the you haven't heard anything about that. You hear you know about it, and it just and stops. Done. Right? It just it, it falls off. Like yeah, yep. it's, it's gonna, gonna be like coronavirus. You're gonna hear about again. it once, and then bam, it's gonna be gone. Right? And then you know you hear, <laughs> and then you hear you know Carcillo talking about yeah. this person and then what he's going through. It's a documentary movie. You know what I mean? And exactly, it's like it, out of nowhere. It's like what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? And it, it's, and I don't want to say, I don't want to criticize saying, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost, uh, how do I put it? Not, mm, I, the fighters almost or not. I, it's, 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 it really is. It seems like more the yeah. fighters, you know what I mean? That, that want to make it to the next level. You know what I mean? Yep. Are, are being in that, in that position. So my my big thing is, guys, if you're listening to this, you know what I mean, and, and you're being bullied, say something. Say something in a heartbeat. Get it done and over with. No one's going to look at you any different. If they look at you different, it's time to find another team, ask for a trade, ask for a release, go somewhere else because they don't give a shit. And if you don't know They're not looking out for your for well-being. Help, They're looking out for themselves. Us, we will do our absolute best to try to find you the help you need so situations don't happen. 100%. Hundred and ten percent. I you couldn't say it any better, Tuck. You know, and you know, with with things going on, you know, with with the world today, and you're afraid to fucking talk somebody. Like Tucker Absolutely. said, message us. We'll do the best we can. We'll reach you in the right direction. You know what I mean? And I, I so. But other than that, I mean, this was going to be a, a short a short epi today with Randy and that little topic because yep, you know, we're going to go. There's got to go real money now. There's got to go back to work today, there. boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we just want to, you know, thank our our sponsors, Ink Gurus. Go check them out uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Eighty Eight Hockey. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Also, Goodwood Hockey. They are on Facebook and Instagram, and we want to thank Bear Beards on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, other than that, guys, thanks uh, thanks for listening. We'll have another long episode on Monday with uh, NHL LA Kings forward Absolutely. Jim Thompson. He played with Wayne Gretzky, so I'm curious to hear stories about him. <laughs>